It's 2021. Have you settled on a resolution? Happy New Year, Cowboy family, and welcome to another episode of the Inside OSU podcast. I'm your host, Megan Robinson. Many of us make going to the gym and being healthy our New Year's goal, but how many of us really last more than a month or two? I decided to consult wellness coach Scarlett Rupert for tips on how to set realistic expectations for healthy lifestyles we can maintain all year long. Scarlett, Happy New Year. I hope you had a great holiday. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Got to visit my family down in South Carolina, so it was great. And now that it is the new year, 2021, hopefully a better year than 2020, but it's New Year's resolution time. And as someone from the wellness department, what are some of the most common resolutions you see when it comes to health and wellness? I would say the biggest ones would be large amounts of weight loss. 2021 is going to be my healthiest year yet. Going to get fit this year, more fit than I've ever been. Or some people say, I'm going to get down to my wedding weight or I'm going to get down to my high school weight. And a lot of it is really unrealistic. People jump in full force going from zero to a thousand. A lot of it is centered around fitness, nutrition goals, weight loss goals. We often forget about the mental health, social wellness, and things like that. I I would say the biggest focus is usually physical, fitness, and nutrition. Why do you think so many people choose January 1st as the day to start getting healthy and kick off a new year that way? I think we're going to see an even bigger uptick this year because we had such a weird 2020. A lot of people will say they, you know, gained the COVID 19 pounds or whatever. So we're going to see a lot more people than usual starting new fitness trends and things like that. But you know, when you start a new goal or a new fitness program or a new nutrition program, we always say, I'm going to start first thing Monday, first thing Monday. We like to have a very clear starting point. New year, new me. It's like a real thing. People just really want to start with a clean slate. So I think that's why it's so popular to start something brand new January 1st. You said it yourself, people go zero to a thousand. They bite off way more than they can chew. What are some realistic goals? goals people can set to begin that journey of a healthier lifestyle without getting discouraged and dropping off come February and March. Earlier I said, you know, people say I'm going to be the most fit I've ever been or I'm going to live my healthiest life. 2021 is going to be healthy me. I would say identify what that really means to you. A lot of people say I'm going to be healthy. Well, what does it mean to be healthy? Is it emotional? Is it mental? Is it losing weight? Is it eating more vegetables? Like what is your actual very specific goal? And kind of narrow that down. You mentioned mental health in several of your answers, and that's something that people often neglect and overlook. But after the year that 2020 was, mental health has been more important than ever. So how important is it to factor in the mental side of your well-being as well as the physical side? All aspects of your wellness are very much interconnected. So if your mental health is not kind of in line and and healthy at the time, then it's going to hinder your emotional wellness. It's going to hinder your physical wellness. You're more likely to binge eat or not eat. If your mental health isn't quite squared away, you may not reach out to family or friends. So your social wellness is going to falter if your mental health isn't quite right. So it's very important. Every aspect of wellness, like I said, is very interconnected and one can kind of affect the other. And you said something about what it means to you to be healthier or stronger. Why is it so important to be specific in your goals and how can that help you reach them? So I'm actually a wellness coach. So pretty much a huge part of my job is working with people on their goals. And so we we start off by looking at the big picture. What is your goal? What is your overall vision for wellness is what I call it. So that's your 
I want to be healthy. But then we have to step back and break it down into smaller, more specific, manageable goals. So that's why we wanted to be specific. The more specific it is, the more likely you are to follow through on it. So if you say, you know, I want to be healthy in 2021, what does healthy mean to me? Well, it means that I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, well, how do I lose 20 pounds? Well, I've got to change my diet and I need to exercise. Then you get even more specific. Say, well, what do I need to change about my diet? Well, I eat out a lot. So I'm going to make a very specific goal to only eat out three times a week to start with. And then you taper it off from there. Or I'm going to start being more active. So I'm going to start 5,000 steps a day. And then I'm going to bump it up to 7,000. Then we're going to bump it up to 10,000. Starting small and building over time. But again, the more specific that goal is, the more likely you can actually track it. And then you can actually see yourself making progress. And then therefore, the more likely you are to stick to it and then follow through on it. I was reading an article online earlier today, and it was really interesting. It was about money saving, which is another resolution, but that's another topic for another day. But one of the tips that they had for saving money was on days that you say that, you know, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. And let's say day four rolls around, you're like, I'm not going to go. Put money in a jar for saving so that either A, you're saving money, or B, you are like, you know what? I want that $5 for coffee. I'm going to go to the gym. What are some other things that people can do to hold themselves accountable and reach their goals? One big thing is sharing your goal with other people, whether that's a roommate or a spouse or a friend or a family member. The more you share your goals with other people, the more you hold yourself accountable because you want them to see you succeed. And then every other way of holding yourself accountable is really true to the person, kind of who you are. I know a lot of people who will use sticker charts because stickers are fun and exciting and you can pick out these cute little glittery stickers that you like and hey, if I hit my goals this week, I get a sticker. So it's kind of motivating. Some people will keep journals. You can use fitness trackers on your phone. I personally love pulling up my Fitbit tracker and seeing a check mark on every day that I exercise. And I'm like, oh, look, Monday through Friday, look at that. So finding something that's visually exciting to you. Some people will use like a task list to get things done at work. And they really like that idea of scratching it off. So find your equivalent to whatever goal you're trying to meet, find your equivalent thing that kind of excites you to, to make sure it gets done. You said Fitbit, I have an Apple Watch and I become obsessed with closing my rings. And I'm like, I haven't met my goal today. And there are times when I literally find myself doing jumping jacks in my living room to get those 10 more calories to close my rings. Or my gym did a bingo competition and it's like, do 20 push-ups today and you cross it off. It's so satisfying to be like, I got that bingo square. We've talked about how people can hold themselves accountable and meet their goals, but what are some mistakes to avoid when setting a resolution or trying to get healthy? I would say setting goals that are a little bit too big. When you're setting a goal, be realistic with yourself. If you say, I'm going to get a gym membership and I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. Well, sit down and ask yourself, like, are you actually going to go five days a week next week? And are you going to be able to do it the week after that? This is what I usually ask people. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you can definitely go to the gym five days a week for the next three weeks in a row? And if your confidence number is below 7, then you need to reevaluate that goal. Step back. Be okay with stepping back and starting small. If you're more of like a 7 or 8, if you say I'm going twice a week, then go twice a week. And once that feels pretty good and pretty normal and you feel pretty confident and going twice a week pretty regularly, add another day. So yeah, it's just starting small, being realistic with yourself, not biting off more than you can chew, not overwhelming. And it's the same thing if you're doing like a nutrition related goal. If you want to cut back on sugar, well, don't cut it out completely. If you like soda and you drink three a day, well, cut it back to two a day and then one a day and then one every other day. So you don't overwhelm yourself. Nutrition, as you just mentioned with soda and sugar, is a really big part 
of health. And I think that people sometimes overlook the nutrition side of it. And, you know, they do a thousand crunches a week and they're like, why do I have abs? There's an old saying, abs are made in the kitchen. I personally love chocolate and I will not give that up for anything. But what are some things that people can do in the kitchen or a little nutrition tips for people who want to eat healthier? But if you're like me and I'm like, I can't stop eating chocolate. What are other ways that they can achieve those goals and sort of tackle it day by day? I would say if there's something in your diet that you just absolutely love, for me, it's cheese balls, then don't completely cut it out. Just be able to manage it in a way every type of food can fit into a healthy diet. So just being aware of what your favorite foods are and telling yourself, you know, I'm allowed to have this really whenever I want so that when you do allow yourself to have it, you're not binging on it. You say, I'm just going to have some now because I know I could have some next week too. Also, just being aware of even though I may sit down and snack on some cheese balls, well, did I have all my vegetables and fruits today? Yes, I did. Well, I deserve some cheese balls. I can have some cheese balls. But if I had a biscuit for breakfast and then I went out for lunch and had a burger or something like that, well, then maybe tonight I probably shouldn't have some cheese balls. So it's just kind of a give and take. And again, not cutting out those things that you love because what happens is we get fixated on something like this is a bad thing that I have in my diet. I need to cut it out. So we do. And that might last a week. It might last two or three weeks, but then at some point you're craving it so much that you sit down and you eat a whole half a bin of cheese balls. um, And so you're binging on it, right? And then you feel guilty. And so it's this cyclical price process of feeling like, okay, I need to cut this out. I'm going to crave it. I'm going to binge it. I'm going to feel guilty. And then I'm going to cut it out again. My thing with dieting is that for, for me personally, it's unrealistic because I know I cannot go forever without eating carbs or without eating French fries. So I think that to your point, if I allow myself, you know what, Meg, on Saturday night, you can have a cheeseburger and French fries. I don't want that every night of the week. I don't enjoy it every night of the week. But I think when people, because then the second you bring that back into your diet, if you cut it out for a month or two months, it's just not a good mix. Right. And to your point, you binge and then it just you have to start all over again. So I think that making it more of a lifestyle is almost better. And by allowing yourself to have these things, it's like, okay, I can eat that tiny piece of chocolate after dinner. It's not going to ruin all of my progress. Absolutely. It's perfectly okay. And I'm a big advocate for mindful eating. So just listening to your hunger cues. So even if you are eating something that's like that less healthy item, are you actually hungry when you eat it? Because if you're not, and you can eat it later when you are hungry and you can enjoy it more, why not eat it then? Being mindful of why am I snacking? You know, am I snacking because I'm bored? So that's kind of the idea behind mindful eating is still allowing yourself to eat the things that you can have, but just being aware of I'm hungry, so I'm going to eat. I'm not hungry, so I'm going to stop. What are your thoughts on water when it comes to eating? Because I know a lot of people, you read it, you hear it, have a huge glass of water before your meal or drink water because you might not be hungry. You might just be thirsty. How can you really tell the difference between I'm hungry and I should just drink water? Society at large has just basically kept us from listening to our hunger cues. That's something that we're born with. It's an instinct, right? But you can kind of outlearn your instincts sometimes. And I think that over time, especially with growing up your parents are like nope clean your plate you've got to eat all of your food so it starts there it starts really young and then you go to restaurants and they're like here's this massive amount of food you should eat all of it and over time we stop listening to our hunger cues so if you really bring awareness to that and you really start listening to your body you're going to know if you're hungry or not your hunger like you physically can hear your stomach growling you can feel that hunger pain and if you are thirsty I think your body's going to be able to say like hey no you're actually thirsty right now I just think we've got to bring more awareness back to am I actually hungry or am I eating because it's 12 o'clock I'm guilty of it I will sit in front of the tv and eat dinner or breakfast or lunch and I'm not really focused on eating and I'm not 
thinking about what I'm doing. So then I'll eat. I'm like, wait, I'm still hungry because you're not thinking about it. And I think that sometimes if people unplug, they might be more in tune with what their body's saying and whether they need to eat more or less or drink water. Yeah, I tell people all the time, use all five senses when you're eating. Make sure you're looking at your food and enjoying the way it looks. When you put it in your mouth, you're paying attention to how it tastes, but also the texture. Because some people are really big on texture and I really like to crunch a chip. I like to crunch a cheese ball. I'm savoring your food, listening to your food. I even say, a Kit Kat bar, you're going to break it and you listen to it. You're eating Rice Krispies and you can listen to them popping in the cereal, just kind of slowing down and stopping yourself and saying, wow, look at this great food that I have the privilege of eating and savoring it. People think I'm crazy. My husband will attest to this. He thinks I'm a robot is what he calls me. But I think savoring is so important when it comes to really enjoying your food and being satisfied by it. My favorite candy is M&M's. And I eat every M&M one at a time and I take two bites of it. And it's because I don't get M&Ms all that often. And so when I do get them, I like to savor them. And after one bag of M&Ms, I feel like I've eaten a whole family size pack because I've really spent time enjoying that food. And if you do take the time to savor food and eat slower, it lets you sort of fill up. The idea behind eating slower is being able to tell that you're full before you're overfull. And so there's a rule, it's called the 80% rule. And the idea behind it is that you never want to eat more than being 80% full. So only eat until you're about 80% full. But what happens is we go to a restaurant and they serve us three times the serving that we should be eating. We eat super fast. And then five minutes after you've cleaned your plate, you feel absolutely miserable and so heavy. So if you really slow down, allow your body to adjust to the fact that you're eating, only until you're satisfied, not stuffed. That's kind of why they tell you to slow down. I am so guilty of that. I will reach what I call the point of no return. <laughs> and there's not enough to take home with you for another meal, but there is too much to really eat. So I'm like, you know what? Don't want to waste food. I'm just going to eat it. And then five minutes later, I regret it. Yep. You're like, oh, why did I do that to myself? But I always manage to have room for dessert. So <laughs> it's separate stomachs, though, is the theory. Oh, yeah. Going back to working out and the gym, obviously with COVID and gyms being closed and people being at home and not having equipment, what are some ideas for exercises or workouts that people can do with minimal or no equipment? So there's a lot of resources now, especially because of COVID. Specifically, OSU Department of Wellness has come out with a whole virtual fitness page. I highly, highly recommend checking that out. If you go to the Department of Wellness page, go to fitness, and then under fitness page is a virtual fitness. We have a whole list of virtual fitness library. So a bunch of like 30 second to 45 second videos of different exercises. So if you wanted to kind of create your own workout, if you needed exercise ideas, it is tons of just body weight exercises, doesn't require any equipment. You can put together your own circuit, your own workout. In addition to that, we have been recording several group fitness classes that are specifically meant to be done at home with no equipment. So there's tons of videos. We've been recording them all semester, all last summer. So they're on there for your viewing pleasure. I mean, there's so many to choose from. So there are longer classes and then also individual workouts where you can kind of custom pick what you want to do. Absolutely. And I would say the group fitness, the group fitness classes, this one instructor teaching a class, it's like going to a group fitness class, 30, 45 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I would say too, to people, you can find so many things in your house that you can turn into workout equipment. People use laundry detergent containers. They use soup cans. I've used a coffee table to do step ups. 
you know, chairs to do dips. So it would just get resourceful too. Absolutely. I was at my sister's one weekend and used her camping tent to do deadlifts. I mean, it worked. So <laughs> I've seen people use dogs. Yep. <laughs> use like TVs. Or your children. <laughs> There's so many ways. Just get creative. But it's awesome to know that OSU has these resources available in videos because sometimes two people don't know how to do the movement. So it's great to have a visual movement. Exactly. And that's what the, if you prefer, you know, resistance exercise and you kind of want to go at your own pace and you don't want to do that group fitness type class, that's what the exercise library is for. It teaches you, it breaks down every exercise. You can choose the ones that you want to do. Say, I'm going to pick five exercises. I'm going to do each of them for 15 sets, you know, so it's up to you and it shows you exactly how you can do it. So you can feel a little more safe and secure doing this. The other aspect of working out is always time. And people will say, I don't have time. And the other people will be like, we have the same 24 hours. So use it how you want. You got to prioritize. But people do have busy schedules. They have kids, they have families, they have school, they have work. What do you recommend to people who say that they don't have enough time to work out? I think the reason that a lot of people will say that is because they have this idea of, oh, if I need to exercise, then I need to set aside an hour to do a whole workout. It's got to be an hour long or 45 minutes long. And really, if you're doing 10 minute bouts of exercise, that counts. So if you wake up in the morning and want to do, you know, 20 squats, 20 push-ups, and a couple of crunches before you jump in the shower, maybe it takes 10 minutes. There you go. There's 10 minutes down. Maybe at your lunch break, you kind of do another three exercises, another 10 minutes there. And then at night before you take a shower, then another 10 minutes of exercise. So the recommendation is about 30 minutes a day of activity, and it can be broken down into 10 minute increments. So you don't have to have this huge amount of time set aside. You can break it down into small, more manageable pieces. I'll literally just do squats in my kitchen while I'm waiting for like water to boil for pasta or something like that. Yeah, or while you're brushing your teeth, you can do it. And it's better than not doing anything. So I think a lot of people say, well, that's not enough. Well, it's either that or nothing, right? So if you're going to not be able to set aside a full hour so you do nothing, it's better to do 10 minutes while you're watching your soup, you know, simmer (laughs) than to not exercise at all. I've also seen a suggestion of use commercial breaks from shows. And during those three, three and a half minute commercial breaks, I'm going to do sit-ups. So you can still watch your favorite show, but instead of fast forwarding like I do, you can sit there and use that commercial break to get a little workout in. Absolutely. And a lot of people are on streaming services right now, so there's no commercials, but I would highly recommend, you know, in between episodes, get up and do it. Or when Netflix is like, hey, are you still watching? You're like, okay, that should be my break. I should get up and like do some exercise real quick and then sit back down. Or even if you have on a light watch, you know, a comedy or, you know, a baking show like I love to watch during the episode, you could just sit there and be like, I'm going to squat and this is going to be what's pushing me through. And I know that if I watch this one episode and I'm doing something moving around the entire time, that's 45 minutes to an hour. Absolutely. That's a great way of doing it. And, And like you said earlier, to kind of close those circles on your Fitbit, I have walked circles around my living room while I'm watching TV to get my 10,000 steps in a day for sure. And you mentioned the video resources that OSU has for the fitness classes and movements. What other resources are available when it comes to mental wellness or nutrition help or any just guidance when it comes to overall well-being? We do have a dietitian on campus as far as emotional and, and mental health and things like that. So we have a full page of resources on the Department of Wellness website that shows virtual options as well as counseling options or you can go see a counselor for both students and employees. There's a lot of different options and opportunities out there. And if someone wanted to speak with a wellness coach like yourself, how do they go about doing that? I'm just starting another cohort of clients now. This is open just for 
faculty and staff, so I'm not seeing students right now, but faculty and staff can sign up, register with me as a wellness coach, and we would start meeting and talking about vision for wellness, overall goals. I'm basically an accountability partner throughout this spring semester. For more information on all Oklahoma State has to offer, visit wellness.okstate.edu. As Scarlett mentioned in the podcast, there are plenty of videos available for workout inspiration. Be sure to find an accountability buddy to help you meet all your wellness goals. And be sure to share, like, and subscribe to the Inside OSU podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Megan Robinson. I hope you all have a happy and healthy new year.